second pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. We're going to have another trade with Houston coming back up. Pick number three, it looks like, to trade up to the Arizona spot. Houston's going to move in to number three. Third pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The Houston Texans select Will Anderson Jr., And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British House. It's scheduled release week and it's a bit like Christmas Day at times, Thursday night 7pm Eastern, the fixtures came out in full. Um, so we're going to run through that, a couple of, a couple of sign-ins uh, to discuss as well. But joining me this week for the first time since September 21, wow. Mr. James Carlson from Texas Unfiltered. How are you doing? I'm good, man. God, I didn't realize it was that long ago, considering that it happened. It, we did it a lot compared to like yeah. being two years. Yeah, well, that's, I think, well, it was, I suppose it was last year, I kind of gave up the ghost in the last couple of weeks. I just Stop watching the tape back, putting clips out. It just there was no point. You weren't learning anything. It had no impact on the future, and I suppose it probably sums up the last two years in <laughs> in a nice kind of way um, that it's all been a bit of a throwaway. But before we go on, I left the the draft intro on there uh, from last week uh, when Mr. Jordan Pun joined us, and we went through it a little bit. It was a quick flyby, but um, of the big draft move. Where do you sit on that? Where, where is it? What's your What's your take on it? Yeah, I think. Um, look, I, I understand justifying the trade from a fan's perspective. You traded up for C.J. Stroud. I, I get what it means, but at the end of the day, C.J. Stroud wasn't on the board, and you decided to give up that much for Will Anderson. I love Will Anderson. I think he's a great player. Um, if you want him, go get him. But we need to be real about the trade. And and you traded up for Will Anderson and you gave up, you know, what you gave up to get him. Um, not something I, I think I would have wanted to do. But at the end of the day, it kind of is what it is. Um, it, it, it gives you a cornerstone on defense, which you need. Um, the team is better. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, really about it. Like the team is better. You, you gave up a draft pick that, you know, you didn't have that was or that you had from Deshaun. Like, it's OK. Like, we're not hurting the future. We're not mortgaging the future. The team is going to be better, likely, because of this trade. It's just a lot to give up for an edge rusher. And that's fine. But I'm not a big fan of it. Mm. Yeah, I just I just keep going back to where we are within the arc of that build. And I think when you're building, you need as many assets that are 50% at best success rate. You want as many of them to spread that risk right across the, the, the roster or your portfolio or whatever you want to call it, in this case, a roster. And you want to spread that out because they won't all hit. And right. the more so, actually, if you had Will McDonald or uh, Van Ness plus that that 33rd or 34th overall top of the second plus that first next year plus the, th- the third you gave up this year or whatever yeah the, whatever it was yeah, anyway there was basically three assets you gave up um, versus one now Will could be better than all of those three and it might never be a conversation hope so because <laughs> we're going to need that that needs to be the case because there was no room for error I just think the timing of it I would have preferred to do it next year if you felt right we just really need an edge rusher or we need a corner or whatever the premium position might be and you know and I think Casario always says this the next year's class does not affect the, the current 
Um, so it kind of felt like it was trying to appease a lot of people at the same time and that may or may not work but I think I've watched a bit more of Stroud James and I feel like his biggest flaw perhaps is under pressure um, and I think this scheme because the way it stretches his own angles out wide but the way it bootlegs out in the space with the way it moves the pocket I think it might suit him um, and I hope it'll have to <laughs> um, if this is going to be successful and when his agent's not going to get pissed off and try and reroute another client out of town um, so we'll see I don't know I, I think it's it's an exciting time because it's worth watching again it's worth talking about it's worth being involved with you want to see Stroud I think all the fundamentals are there baseline pocket movement awareness accuracy being the biggest one who have a lot of easy throws in this offense so if if I think it'll suit him because you've seen this scheme prop up lesser talented quarterbacks Brock Purdy being the biggest example so if Sloat can call a good offense we can run the ball some then it might be okay it might just be watchable and I think that was the thing it was the watchability factor that they knew they had to regain to fill seats um, and this was perhaps the quickest way to it whether it's the best long term sustainable route to it we'll find out yeah but, I think um, when you when you it, all the things you mentioned it's interesting because it's like easy offense you know uh, create you know space you know uh, easy reads quick outs like all the things that fit CJ Stroud, right? But at the end of the day, like, is that something that you take at number two? Is a quarterback that just kind of fits your offense and can do what he needs to do? Because normally when you take a quarterback at two, it's a guy that's going to transcend your offense. He's going to elevate your offense. Like, mm. that was the expectation of Davis Mills as a third-round pick was to elevate the offense. But now we're saying, like, hey, he fits this offense. He should be fine. He should do pretty well. This fits his strengths. But like, is that is that a number two overall quarterback? Like, and, and I guess that's yeah. ultimately my concern is like, yeah, it's fine. Like, we should be watchable, and we may even be competitive, and he might blow us all away and be this top tier quarterback we didn't expect. But if he's middle of the road, fifteen, you know, ten, maybe twelve to fifteen, was that number two pick used properly? I don't think so. Perhaps we'll see. I think, I I, I think last year with you went with two players who had you know because if you look at last year's draft, you've got and we're digressing a little here, but we've got Kenyon Green who's just had to have his knee scoped again. Yep. We've had uh, <laughs> it didn't play well, and that may well have been the reasons why he came back. Then had to have his knee scoped, so yep. a little bit of a worry. And then you also took uh, Sting who had injury history, so it was like. What was the safe bet, I think? Um, and these two guys were basically the antithesis of the picks, the type of picks that you made last year. So either that's a departure from your strategy, a departure from your evaluation, and that, that and that makes sense because you've got a different coaching staff, so fair enough yeah. um, if that is the case. But um, it's a big change um, and it's going to have to pay off. So we'll see because having the Browns 20-something pick or whatever that might be this year is not really going to get you a game changer. So these guys need to be game changers and I think the question I go back to was it enough to change the dial was it a moment to signify to the league this team's on its way back I, I, nobody can definitively tell um, the one thing I do go back to though James is that when I and obviously recency bias will, will skew my, my view on this but I remember when Deshaun came out and I was a little bit nervous about his tape and his interceptions and arm strength and all that stuff if you watch the Georgia game and you watch his best games 
I don't have the same level of concern that I did. So I think that the bet is not what he is right now. I think he's a, a sure pair of hands to start the system. It's how much can he grow? Yeah. Um, and if he can take that athleticism, that scrambling, that di- there's there's that one play I tweeted out, and I think McLean retweeted it, and I got like 22,000 views or something. And it's the one where uh, Jalen Carter's coming right at him, pretty much unblocked, um, and he just slides to the right, throws a comeback, you know, a first down, 20-odd yards, you think, all right, okay, well, you know, if this is the stuff, he, he can do that down and down now, then fine. So we'll see. He's bit, he's an upgrade on what we had. Yeah. Will it make us more watchable? It's that growth arc of him will define this team and whatever Will does around it, I think, will be That's the most important part is the growth, right? Like, it's all good if he comes in and he's he's okay or or a little better than okay his first year. Second year, just want to see more growth. Want to see that level continue to him continue to progress through his development and you know we're not going to know this year so it's going to take time and so we'll criticize the pick or we won't criticize the pick and we'll all be wrong you know half of us are going to be wrong half of us are going to be right in year three um but i think we're all betting and, and hoping for the same thing we all want him to be the 15 year quarterback um and if that's the case this works out perfectly and he has the talent to be it but you're right, like the sensing pressure, that's a big concern, especially coming into the NFL with an offensive line that from the interior is not very good and hasn't shown to be very good. You know, like everybody talks about, oh, well, you know, we're investing in it. Investments don't always work out. You can't just say we invested in it, so it's going to be better. We invested in Kenyon Green. And guess what? Last year, the interior uh, of the offensive line wasn't better. So there are times where those investments don't pay out. And we have to hope that this coaching staff and I think this is the biggest difference from this year to last year is the ability to develop players. It's a commitment. It's not just something you say you're going to do. It's not something that you just put on paper and you talk about. It's a true commitment to developing players and putting them in a position to succeed. And D'Amico has shown and Bobby Slowick has come from a, a franchise that has dedicated to developing players. So there's no reason for us to think that they can't. We just have to see them do it. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And I think if you offered me a guy who threw 84 touchdowns, almost seven and 8,000 yards at 70% clip, you'd take a risk on it. I think if you look at that on paper, the yeah. core fundamental deliverables of that of that role. But um, there's a hell of a lot that goes into it. And we'll find out. And that's what we'll talk about now is the games uh, that we're going to play. Um, the moment of that trade didn't change the dials for the schedule makers James were with the Cardinals Colts and Atlanta um, to not have a prime time game this year which for me I always see as a positive it gives you structure gives you repetition gives you uh, you know almost a routine for the team the players a a year one coach a year one quarterback a year one centre probably um, to to kind of get a bit of a rhythm and just not have as much pressure as you would otherwise um do, do you think the schedule without that is a bonus or is it a shun uh, lack of international games, etc.? I see it's a positive. What's your take? Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't put a lot of thought into the primetime games right now with where this team's at. It makes sense for them to not have primetime games. I mean, we yeah. opened the show talking about how unwatchable they've been. You know, <laughs> so to expect them to have any primetime games, I think, is unfair. Uh, you set yourself up for uh, false expectations if you thought there was a chance. This team has to earn it. They have to prove that they are watchable, that they are progressing, that they're going to be a different team, and that they're going to win. And this gives them an opportunity to do it. Uh, you know, 
the most consistent schedule I probably I think I've ever seen uh, for this team is now. Like I don't know if I've ever seen this many noon games. Like so, you're right from a routine and a process perspective. Like they're going to be able to get into that, and it's going to be consistent, and they'll be able to get comfortable. And when you think about rookies, and you know, coming from the college football season to the combine to the NFL, like having a consistent schedule to be able to predict and understand what you're going to do and get used to these new things, I think it's a W for the Texans. Um, so, and I also prefer twelve o'clock games. Like for me, it's, it's better. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's better for me. Yeah. Six hours ahead, right, so exactly. suits me. <laughs> what time is it at over yeah. uh, over there? Uh, so it'll be 6 p.m. roughly here every time perfect. the game kicks off. So lovely, go, yeah. <laughs> watch the game and go to bed, right? So, like, yeah. uh, you know, I like the 12 o'clock games. Would I like to see them on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football? Sure, but, like, we're a year away from that. Like, let this team go yeah. out and, and, and show that they are a capable team and that they're they're going to do what we hope they do, and you'll get some games next year. Yeah. So I was looking for the bye week, bye week seven, which is – reasonable you yeah. want to sort of you probably want an eight or nine now with extra game but it's it's all right and i think i suppose you you, you split the season up into sections um and if i look at the six games prior to that i, I kind of feel like there's a potential route um and i've got a bit of a, a working theory or a working projection here so if you look at so if you take it so who were not dealt a fair hand, and they probably conceded in some of this, and this is about the international development. So I think, first of all, I think, James, do you think it's fair to say that the Jacksonville's probably is is the leader in the clubhouse to win the division? Not by much, and not by much better than anyone else, but potentially that's the kind of standard you're looking to, you know, emulate this year, right? So if you look at their schedule, they've got two games, of, so we play them uh, week four, or week three. We, they play two games in London back-to-back, they then don't have a bye, play Indy, and then go to New Orleans on a Thursday night. So that's their first seven games. So there is a potential, and that's a tough stretch, a big ask on any club. So I think that is where potentially we could get an in. Uh, that's just from the NFL's email that got sent out. So you might want to double check me on that, but it did seem odd. But anyway, so we'll go with that. But I think obviously we, we have our hardest game first, which is, is tough. And I think the strongest opponent I think on paper is Baltimore we go there I think most people you know it's a first test out first run at the offence we'll see what they've worked on you never know they might surprise people put a good performance but I don't think anybody's holding out any reasonable expectations but, but I think also, they, but Baltimore is also implementing a whole new offence um, well that's it yes you everything just never know catch the cold Baltimore, yeah. so it's not yeah. you know they're looking to pass the ball which is not something that we've seen mm. them do a lot so, um, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be interesting yeah, no, absolutely. So I think when you look at that Jacksonville start, I think it's pretty brutal. A lot of travel and players not being in the, at their home for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, that's got the that's got the either ability to put them on a run of, you know, 10, 12 wins or, you know, to be going, oh, well, they've fallen off big time from last year because the jump was such and that was coupled with Tennessee's kind of collapse. Um, so I think we'll, we'll find out by about the end of week three, James, with the hosting of the Colts um, and then visiting Jacksonville in week three uh, where this team has, is at from a divisional standard from last year it'll all make sense pretty quickly so I think what do you I suppose it's probably a question of does Shane Steichen implement an offence with Anthony Richardson that just goes from day one does he strike lightning in a bottle I know you were quite big on him 
Um, I, I suppose that's probably the. It used to be how good is Trevor Lawrence going to be? And we kind of know roughly, and I think you'll continue to develop, and you'll you'll have good games, you'll have bad games, and I think you'll find some level of consistency. But I think the big outline in the division is that, and we'll find that out week two. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows what Anthony Richardson is going to be. Nobody knows what. He, everybody knows what he can be, and everybody mm. knows what he can't be. But nobody knows where that middle ground is and what he might actually be. And, you know, he has all the talent in the world. And then you look at Steichen and what he's done with Herbert and Hertz. And, you know, it all lines up that Anthony Richardson will likely develop, but we don't know. So the Colts are definitely a team to watch because it, it, it fits. I like Steichen. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like, I would have preferred Steichen on the Texans um, just because I, if we were taking a quarterback, I wanted to have – an offensive-minded head coach to really help that that franchise quarterback develop. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Colts do with them. I would agree. Like that's the question mark in 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 the in the uh, division right now. Yes. Is Indy so gonna I think get is Indy going to be able to grab lightning in a bottle with Anthony mm. Richardson? And are they going to use his legs or is he going to? You know, there's just so many different questions. And then when you go to the Jags next, like I think the Jags. When I look at the division and I just look at this team last year, even in the like in division games, they were tough. They they wasn't like this routing that happened by the division, except for that one game against the Jags, I believe. Um, mm. We had one bad game that was against the Jags, right? Yeah, the game at home, yeah, 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 the, yeah. The one they should have fired Lovey in and, and got right. it all cleared out. Other yeah. than that, like they played the division pretty tough. So like the Jags, we'll see. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that's a close game. Um, I don't trust Lawrence yet. I think he is good, but he's inconsistent. Mm. You know, you can't throw seven interceptions in a in a playoff game, and then all of a sudden you're just you're a top tier quarterback. Like that's a lot of bad decisions. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it'll be interesting for sure. The first the first three games are going to be a good a good barometer to know where this team actually is. And I, I think if the one thing that they can achieve on defense is just to have a middle of the road run defense. Because that then, you know, if you can get buying games or, you know, back-to-back quarters with, you know, defence against the run against Henry, potentially Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, they're going to be running a lot of sort of kind of zone read options um, in that offence that Shane Steich is going to basically paste and copy from what took a team all the way to the Super Bowl. So, you know, there's a good yeah. chance that that will be effective at times. just depends how early. Getting them early might be a good chance. So I think if the team can do that and then, carry that on throughout the season. You play Tennessee late, that's been our Achilles heel against them. If they could find some way just to be just to, just to be middle of the pack on the run defence, I think that will give us a chance in games that we just didn't have the last two years. And our opponents in the division just went after it and just kept, kept going back to the well. So I think if they can do that in, in the context of the start of the season, I think there's there's no reason why out of those first three games, we can't win one of those two division games. Um, at, you know, either at home against Indy, uh, get them early, um, or on the road in Jackson when we find out who they really are. Because then, James, you've got a, a run of the Steelers at home, which you know might be the what crowning special Ring of Honor game potentially. Atlanta on the road, who okay, they've got Bijan but not a quarterback, and then you've you've got the, the visit of the Saints who don't have a quarterback in theory. We'll see how David Carr goes, um, or Derek Carr rather, <laughs> everyone does that, um, how Derek Carr goes. So I think in those games there, there is a, a minimum route to three or four wins, in my view, if this team is just serviceable by, by being in games, not making mistakes, and just doing the fundamentals right early in the, se- early in the season. Um, 
we could equal the win total pre-buy. I don't think, and I'm you know I'm a realist by nature. <laughs> um, I'm certainly not going to you know call out you know big. Uh, Big, big hopes and dreams for this this team and the quality of the roster because I think we're really flawed at certain spots. But I, I can see a route to to equaling last season's win total pretty early. Yeah, I would agree. I think you know you kind of touched on it with the run defense. You know that's got to be cleaned up. Uh, they got to get better at it. But if you really look at this defense from last year, like their biggest issue, whether it be on run or just in general, was tackling. Like it, it was just a basic mm. fundamental of understanding how to wrap up and tackle. I think that's something that can easily be addressed by week one if that's the philosophy, right? If we go with the swarm philosophy and we're doing everything that D'Amico's talking about and coaching them up to do, that defense should take a step forward just by fixing the broken tackles, just in that part alone. So, yeah, I think it's fair to think that this team could be at a three to four win, uh, three to four wins by the bye. Um, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Like you said, you're a realist. I'm more of an optimist. I think even optimistically, like four games is fair. Hmm. I hope so. And I think if you get through that three or four wins, I think everybody will be happy. But then I suppose you, you go into the bye at that point and coming out the bye, I think it will be on the road to Carolina, first pick against second. I think that's going to be a point of judgment um, for this coaching staff and how well you can prepare against a club on the bye. Yep. Um, and how do the two quarterbacks measure up now? You know, there was a lot done about physical size, right. uh, but all that really matter is about how they produce on the field. Um, and I think I always go back to the O'Brien era, James, when this club never at any point mustered what you would describe as a signature win, really, apart from maybe Kansas City on the road in twenty nineteen. Uh, but then we, obviously it was undone back there in the playoffs. That's probably the only time they ever achieved that. That could potentially be. Uh, less of a signature win, but a mark in a mark in the sand or a, or a line of demarcation of yeah maybe this club's back and coming back a little bit. And if they can go and do that on the bye, I think it'll be a litmus test of the quarterback, the offensive coaching staff, the wide receiver group, um, the running game, all the stuff that they need to go on offense to go and win on the road that you have to have. Um, that's a potential point where we can go right. Okay, maybe we start taking this a bit more seriously than we thought otherwise. Yeah, I think, and and you really hit it on the head. It's really going to give us a true understanding of what this coaching staff is about coming out of the bye, right? Like from the Bill O'Brien days of not being prepared out of a bye to what we saw with Coley and what we saw with Lovey. Like this team hasn't been good at coming out of a bye in a long time. So let's hope that this coaching staff has a way to prepare and a way to really have this team ready coming off of a week's rest to go out and compete. And, you know, I think there'll be a lot of. Like the the other good thing about it being in week seven is the fact like they're gonna have six weeks of of film to go back and analyze about themselves. It's not even gonna be more about the Panthers and what Bryce Young has done on film. It's they're gonna be able to reevaluate what they've done over the first six games of the season and give them a true understanding of what wrinkles they need to add, where they need to work, and and that's ultimately what we're looking for. We, want to see them continue to develop and progress and get better like i think ultimately this season win totals matter to an extent but it's more or less like how are we losing yeah you know how are we losing if they if they only win four games in the season but they're in every game and they look like a better team i think the fans will be fine i think most people will be okay but it's this game specifically i I really want to see how they prepare for for a game after a bye and it'll be very telling about what to expect from this coaching staff moving forward 
Yeah, and I think it gives a, it will give a, a sign of as you said, it's it's the the arc of development, and that's you know from right everybody's you know rookie or nigh on. I think um, there's not many sort of savvy veterans in any spot. Um, so we'll see. I think that that will be the point, and then you've got a kind of hopefully, you know, I know they've got a good roster, or or they certainly did have a Super Bowl roster not so long ago. Probably going to be Baker Mayfield coming back, and I think you know you've got to look at those games like the Derek Carr game, um, that at home that you've got to win, and I think if you can get into that, um, obviously you go to Cincinnati. So I think uh, the Jets uh, week one against Baltimore and the trip to Cincinnati. I think you know. Quarterback power alone would suggest that we're not being them. So if you if you take those out and you get anything out of those, then you know you now we're talking. But then I think you go into that three week run in November into December for Arizona, Jacksonville at home, and the and the Broncos at home. Now look, Sean Payton could go and turn Denver into a powerhouse. Hard to see, you know, but stranger things have happened. But I think when you have three games at home like that, you know, potentially, you know, one of those last two games, you're, you're looking at another four wins there, you know. If you just do the fundamentals right and having three games at home allows you to build a little bit of momentum on the back end of the schedule, um, you know, before you go into the running. So I think those three games, I think by that point, we'll have a really clear idea of what this team is and what this team could be under D'Amico. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a very telling, um, you know, we don't know with Denver. Denver does have a good defense, so that's going to be interesting. The Jags, if they are the team that people think they are, they should be firing on all cylinders by that time. Arizona, you know, I think nobody's expecting much from Arizona. I don't think Kyler Murray is even start, like opening the season as a starter as of right now due to his injury. Um, but he could be back by that time. If any team is going to want the Texans to have a loss, it's going to be Arizona because they have the Texans pick. So, um, but you're right. Like from an offensive perspective, we'll have a really good understanding of where this team is and, and where CJ Stroud is, um, you know. A lot. I think the interesting part about this offense is going to be Dalton Schultz. You know, he's really the only proven weapon on offense mm-hmm. is Dalton Schultz. There's really not yeah. like you can look at it and you can break down all the film. Nico Collins still question marks. Like I think Nico can be a guy. I think he likely will be a guy if he could just not be injured. Dell, hmm. we all love him, and I think in space we're expecting a lot, but he's also a rookie, and he's 5'8". So, like, what are the expectations for him as rookie season? Noah Brown, Robert Woods, like, there's not a ton of proven weapons on this team, but you do have Dalton Schultz, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see how he's used. Is he going to be used very similar to Greg Kittle? Seam routes, in space, creating after the catch? Like, there's a lot of questions about this offense, and I think it's going to be really telling by that time to know, like, this is going to work. We just have to get a couple more weapons around CJ on the outside. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I've got a feeling. I think about Xavier Hutchinson. I think there's a, there's an element there of polish and consistency. I know he's kind of had some bad drops and stuff, but I think you can clear that up. And it's, it's all very different being a student athlete to a pro. But I think there's definitely an element there that he can, he can, you know, put it. But again, it's a big expectation. So you're relying on the health of Nico, which you know, hurt guys stay hurt invariably. And I think that year off. COVID just seems he's never quite managed to get his body at a consistent level to not be injured so you know you're relying on a guy who history's told you can't rely upon and then you kind of get some average production at the other guy so I think it's it's a case of this offense doesn't necessarily have a wide array of receivers and traditionally hasn't really used a slot receiver um i know Coob's really tried to get Keyshawn martin and give you a throwback to to work in office never quite worked out um it's been more 
you know, and it, obviously this offense has evolved since then, right? But um, it will be. I think that will be Bobby Sloak's biggest task of how do you best utilize the weapons. And it's everybody, every um, every uh, offensive coordinator's task. But I think it'll be even more so than without a true standout number one that you can rely on. Um, you never and who knows what John Mitch will be, you know. And I think that's it. There's there's so many unknowns. So if we even have an understanding of what they could be at the end of the season, that'll be progress. I think. I think it's funny though, like when we go into the when we look at the offense, like okay, we know that because there are so many questions, we know not every answer to the question is going to be the answer we want, right? So like Nico Collins staying healthy. Tank Dell being utilized properly and being a player, John Mechie coming back from injury and being really good. You know, like those are the three questions on the offense right now. So if we had to go by NFL standard, one of those will probably be answered in the way that we want. The other two will likely not. So which one is that? And it'll likely be Tank Dell, right? I think, I think, I think he'll be used properly in a point to where it he's put in a position to succeed. I think it's unfair to expect John Mechie to come in and have a great season because he just beat cancer. He hasn't played football in two years. It's going to take time for him to get acclimated. And then Nico Collins has shown that he's going to be injured. So I think it's more or less like that. Those are the questions we need answered. And, and based on what we've seen in the NFL over the last year, couple of years is these are the likely outcomes. One injury, a player that's always injured likely stays injured. A guy that hasn't played football in two years, likely not the most productive player out the gate. So we'll see. But you're right. Like, we don't know what those answers are going to be. There's there's a lot. I think that there are so many unanswered questions. And I think when you are relying on a guy like Schultz, which is fine, I think in some sense, um, there's also a kind of element of, you know, over, you know, if you get an injury to him, you know, it starts to look very thin. And then you're looking at guys like Quentin, Tori, Quentin Toriano. Uh, to be a pass catcher, and then, so I think I think for me is yeah. is is, is the, can we defend the run and run the ball consistently? And I think that will be will be the big defining improvement back to being a sort of kind of you know entry point level side of can you start building a roster and do the basics well? But I think yeah, you're right. Is can we actually have a, a proficient coaching staff who will play the you know play the offensive weapon strength and actually be serviceable and be able to find yards when they need to? Because that just hasn't been the case. Talent scheme design coaching um install through preseason so we'll see and i think there's, there's there is so much to be answered but i think it's certainly there's enough reasons to believe why it will be better because of the talent you've invested in and then also the coaching staff that you've invested in so you never know you never know but i think it can get much worse i think that and that's the from the particularly from a coaching viewpoint i think that that will that's what what gives me kind of a little bit of solace and, and the hope that there'll be um, certainly progressive um, this year. So I think that when you go into the back end of the schedule, James, if you are at sort of six, you know, seven wins, um, and then you've got Tennessee twice um, finishing up in Indy and a, a Christmas Eve visit of uh, of your former quarterback, it's uh, is that is that the game that people look forward to the most in terms of the home slate? Because I think from the schedule, when I was looking at the book, I said, well, there's not really a, a standout game, I don't think, this year, but potentially... The Watson one is that, but I think it was a bit of a damp squib last year when when he when he came back. It was a bit almost a procession win for the Browns. Yeah, I think. I mean, I guess like I, for me personally, I'm I'm like, it's it's whatever at this point. Like, let's just. It's he's not our quarterback. He's on another team. All the drama's over. Like, let's just go play football. So, 
would it be awesome to beat them? Of course, right? Like, one, we have their pick. So, like, any loss is going to be beneficial for this team. But, two, like, there's going to be people who are rooting and wanting. To, this is the one probably outside of me, if I had to guess, this is probably the game that the Texans fans want to see. That Clicking on all the cylinders, offense, defense, showing up, coaching staff is who we think they are, and they hand a loss to Deshaun, and Deshaun has a terrible game. I think that's a perfect scenario. Um, just for me, it's really not that big of a deal. I'm kind of over that mm-hmm. entire storyline. It's it's kind of a dead horse at this yeah. point. It's like we already had to go through so much shit with that guy. Like, do we do we really want to continue it? I'd rather focus on what this team's going to be, what the good things are about it, the coaching staff, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and see what happens. But if Will Anderson comes off the edge and lays the lick on Deshaun, I think everybody would be pretty ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, and I th- it seems like a lifetime ago he was playing here. So it's it's uh, it's yeah. Right. From a, I mean, the the only vested interest we have is him just to never re- recover that form because it certainly didn't look close to it last year. Um, do you think he does? I don't know. I just think it's such a mental fuck up, like going through something like that, regardless of whether you've done it. I mean, obviously you're guilty of sin, right? Because you don't have that many women coming out. I mean, he's like, is he guilty of sin? Maybe that's not the best phrase. But ultimately, he made some terrible life choices when he was in a position of the ultimate privilege um, that had, you know, thousands, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, banking their emotional livelihoods on him. And to go and do that just shows a complete lack of awareness of yourself, your position, um, and everything that's expected of you. Um, and I don't blame it all on that because I think he was enabled. I think, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think when you go through that toll of, the, the, you know, a complete upward trajectory of love and adoration from so many people from every angle, from fans to media to sponsors to nothing, it's going to take a lot. You know, it, it, if he does... And he does come back to be the player we all thought he should be, um, then he'll deserve. He will deserve it, not in a in a moral sense, but certainly in a personal uh, work ethic sense. He'll deserve it. But I think it's such an uphill battle to go to build your confidence that and that resilience mentally back up when you've been out of it for so long. It takes you, you know, one and a half times roughly to get back there. Is what they say psychologically, so and physically. So if he does. Uh, he will have earned it, um, but you know history would suggest taking time out of a get the game like that uh, doesn't do you any good. And I don't know any player, James, who's been a great off the top of my head, who's missed a season and a half, um, at, at and in theory their prime, and come back and been better. Um, you know, without traditional means of injury and and what have you. This has been completely unprecedented. So I think to deal with it, obviously badly advised, but. It's just, it's just such a fall from grace. How do you get back there? And I think that's what we were banking on for a good pick next year. Well, and I think, I think, so you're right. Like the mental side of this, like it's, it's there, it's really hard for me to grasp the concept that mentally he's going to be fully recovered and ready to be this top five quarterback in the AFC. It's really hard for me to believe that that's going to be the case. There's just these are things he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. They're not going away. He's forever going to be questioned. He's already got yeah. another case that is like trying to go to trial in Houston. So it's still in the back of his head entering the season, sponsors being questioned the rest of your life, having to turn off your comments on social media. And then on top of that part, and this is the part I feel like nobody ever talks about. So you have all of that. 
and then your contract is fully guaranteed, so you don't even really need mm. to do anything. Yeah. You don't need to perform. You don't need to get back to that top five status. You're going to cash that check no matter what. You're going to make that money the next three years. They can, they can, uh, you know, go back and redo his deal however they want to do it for the salary cap. But at the end of the day, it's all guaranteed, and there's nothing you can do. So, like, what motivation does he actually have outside of personal mm. reasons? And to me, when you bottle all that up, it's really hard for me to believe that this guy's going to come back and be the guy that people think he's going to be. I just can't. Well, that's see it. Him. I think he's um, he's only won one playoff game, and he's, and he's not played that many games, you know, considering the age he is and where he is now in his career as well, because I'm missing that time. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think when you add all those variables in, you think a, a mediocre outcome is potentially the most, you know, some middle of the road outcome, like, you know, being a Kirk Cousins maybe plus level um, and that just, you know, good quarterback, but, you know, is reliant on other things. So hopefully, because we need it, we need it to, to, to prop up that pick and, and make that trade that we talked about at the start look less of a potential risk. And if it does come back that way, um, then, you know, good on us. And I would never wish injury on anyone, James, but I think if somebody was to get injured, it would certainly help. Um, because, again, the body coming back into the way he plays the game, um, the mental side of it, you know, it's, he's not... When you stop taking the hits, I can guarantee you the hits then feel a lot... You're a lot tender the next day than you would have been if you'd been hardened to it over the last few years. And you remember the year he did take the hits, Um you know, he was getting a bus to Jacksonville with broken ribs. Now, I know he's kind of flushed out of his game a little bit, but um, it, it might happen. Yeah, but still, like, if you, like, add that piece to it, right? Like, sure, do we want anybody to get hurt? Obviously not. Do we want our team to benefit, though? Absolutely. And then when you add to the fact, like, players are requesting trades already. Like, there are players in Cleveland that want out. And then Kevin Stefanski is on the hot seat and being questioned. Mm -hmm. Is he the guy? And then if Deshaun gets like, so let's say Deshaun gets hurt early and then things aren't going well and Stefanski is fired and this team ends up winning three or four games. You know, it, it's like, and, and crazier things have happened and it's all kind of lined up to where you can think that like that's going to happen or could happen. Right. Everything's made out to where that could be a possibility. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I hope so. It'll be nice for us. And I, I just can't. It just all goes back to guaranteeing the contract. And we're digressing here, but it was the. It was, yep. and, and that was. I know Casario tweaked the trade at the end, but if that was me and, and you got wind of they've given him a full super max as his agent put out there, I would have gone back and asked for you know three thirds or something on top of the three first because well, it's up to you if you you've guaranteed the contract and if you want this to happen. You know, and I think that, and I know he did get a little bit extra out of it, what was initially reported, but um, the desperation stunk at the time, and we'll, we'll see. But I, I don't know, I mean, they've made some okay signings, but they've lost some players too, so we'll see. But um, th that'll be a game potentially um, on Christmas Eve that we can uh, potentially look back on the, the present that either gave us something that we didn't expect or perhaps uh, disappointed. But um, in, yeah. ter in terms of this season, who do you think of the Texans got the most to prove of this slate of games? Uh, who's, got the, who's got the most to prove? You know, we talked about Nico Collins. Um, yeah. Oh, the players. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Stingley, who I, who I, I think will be fine. Uh, Kenyon Green, and I think I, th I think CJ and and Will are probably yeah. the four players because they are 
such early picks in the first round over the last two years, it's really going to tell us where yeah. this team is. You know, if, if, if Nick missed on Sting and, and Kenyon, and these guys can't stay healthy or they or, or Kenyon doesn't develop and end up being a good guard. And, you know, like that, those are some real questions yeah. at that point. Like for everybody that's questioned Casario up to this point, I think that there are things, but I don't think anything is really detrimental. I don't think anything's been this real question mark. Like he is not very good at his job. I think he's kind of overshadowed that by making really good decisions. But if Kenyon Green and Sting don't work out, I think then you have a, fair reason to question what Casario is doing and if he deserves to be in this Yeah, position. I was just thinking the management of the cap, I think, for me, he's been the one just, you know, spending excess amounts on guys just to fill a roster out, you know. There's been many examples of those in previous years, and I think, we, you know, you move forward um, with a limited cap number, um, and you weren't going to spend big this year, so, you know, by the time you actually get to year two and three of CJ Stroud, um, it'll all flush back in in theory so it should be okay but I just think that you could have carried over a lot more um, and for us to not be have the most cap space considering the talent um, is, is perhaps you know the, the ratio the, well don't we have the most cap space next year at 105 million and someone like that yeah, yeah I think current. I think it'll come yeah and then in like 2025 it's like 200 over yeah because we've got nobody million. signed up yet so hopefully there's players in this that we, we either find along the way um, and sign up and I suppose he tried that this week with two extensions uh, bringing Shaq and Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Griffin isn't it that came in so um, so um, yep. double Shaq for <laughs> for uh, for Casario I think the Shaq Mason thing I think potentially Shaq Mason was our best off season signing albeit through a trade always looked like a, a extension candidate I suppose you question why Tampa let him go for so little um, but ultimately that's the kind of move that you make for a fifth round or whatever it was to get a six back, you, you bring him in. And if he's just one of your top 10, 15 players, that's a great move. And I think we need lots of those moves. You know, we probably need four or five of those guys to, to come to the fore and just be quality NFL level starters, but then actually then allow the more talented young pieces you bring in to be elevated. And I think he potentially has that to develop the centre next to him, to develop Kenyon Green, um, he could be a really important sign, I think. And I, I don't think Shaq Mason could be underestimated the importance he has on this offense. Yeah, I would agree. And then when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and why they let him go for a sixth, I mean, he was in his final year. They probably weren't going to extend him. They needed to get something back in return. They're mm -hmm. in full rebuild, no matter what they're trying to tell their fans. They're they're going to try to find a way. I wouldn't be surprised if they tank and try to get Caleb Williams or Drake Bay uh, next year. And so, you know, they got something back in return. Texans get a, a position of need. They have the potential to be one of the better offensive lines that this organization has had since Chris mm -hmm. Myers and all of them, right? So, um, but they all got to put it together. But I, I, I like the Shaq Mason trade. I like the signing. I, I don't think he, we overpaid too much for, for the guard uh, yeah. during the extension. I thought Nick did a yeah. really good job of that. Uh, and, and and you're right. Like there's there's no reason to really be too concerned. He was good in Tampa. He was very good in Tampa. Yeah. Like why would no? I think he's 14th highest paid in the position or something like that. So I think you know. Yeah. So what? Well, lovely. Take it. Um, I think um, durable. He's a known quantity. Um, 
he's rated by you know people like Brandon Thorne and what have you. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. That's what he goes. I think he. I think he can only help. Yeah. And an offensive line, you're only as good as a man next to you. And I think there'll be a lot of pressure on Drew Scruggs to come in and start. I don't think his tapes all that great. From I watched a couple of games the last year and this year just to kind of get a flavour for it. He can't play multiple positions, but um, it's going to be a big test. But he, he definitely is a player that's improving. I think that's that's clear. Um, it's just how much can he improve? But that's the question with all these guys. Who of the so we we need to find mid round gems like Damian Pierce. Hopefully clear up the fumbles, run, he could be dispelled by Singletary, or hopefully uh, Zavian Hall- uh, Validay can be can be something, you know, can be a, a diamond in the rough. Who are the diamonds in the rough that they've picked up through the undrafted, which was a bit of a better and interesting class to, to this draft class? Who do you think could come out and uh, and be that diamond rough? Because, again, we need multiple. Yeah, I think Xavier Hutchinson... There's a real good chance for him to to turn around and be, and be the guy that that is needed on the outside. I don't know if you can expect him to be like a true number one, um, but I think if he ends up being just a a solid number two, that's a win, a six round pick. Um, and then I can't say that Tank Dell is like this diamond in the rough because he was drafted in the third round. But when you look at this offense and what it wants to be and what we've seen in San Francisco. You know, you, utilizing him in the Debo Samuel role is going to be critical, and and it's really going to open things up for this offense in so many ways. It's going to open up the run game. Uh, it's going to give CJ, you know, uh, uh, be able to really throw to an open guy in space and and let them create instead of having to force the ball downfield. Um, so I, I think those two players, and 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 a lot of it has to do with the fact that like we need wide receivers, mm. like. There's really no other way to go about it. Noah Brown's not moving the needle. Robert Woods isn't moving the needle. Um, and we need we need at least one of those guys to turn out turn it around and, and be that guy. Whether it be a weapon and an X like Tank Dell or it be an outside receiver like Xavier Hutchinson, we need one of those guys to 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 hit and be consistent. And if they do that, it works for this team. This team all of a sudden it's a it's a completely different looking team. If one of these players hits, if both of these players hit, now we're talking. Now we have an offense. Now we have consistency at the wide receiver position. It was really the biggest lack. Like that, that position group is lacking in so many ways. And it's not because it. It's not like it can't be better. It can be, but like we talked about earlier, it's all the question marks. Yeah. We just don't know what to expect. I love Nico Collins. I think the first five games of the yeah, season. Really good. He looked like a much better player from a route running perspective, from a catching perspective. He looked more physical. He looked healthier than he did his rookie season. Then he got hurt. So maybe this year, if he can stay healthy and he doubles down and shows another level of progression, I think he could still be a guy, but he's just got to yeah. stay on the field. And uh, But when you enter Tank Dell and, and, and Hutchinson, I think those are the guys that I'd probably have to go with. And it's just because of a position of need. We don't have guys at that yeah. position no I, I think that if you can get like sort of five to six big explosive plays that you know end arounds um toss sweeps whatever you want to call them um if you can get that from him and he, he sets up some scoring drives and you get and you get sixes at big times in games when you're struggling to eke out yards plus then you know maybe you know a couple of big returns 
on special teams and maybe a couple of a couple of punt return scores or or a kickoff return and put you in good field position and get you points, then I think that's an asset we just didn't have. And you know, is Xavier Hutchison better than uh, Chris Moore? Yeah, so I would hope so. <laughs> so like you know, there is progress on this roster, albeit slow and it requires patience, but um, there is progress. So I think yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Um, I would just love love to see Brandon Hill if he could come down and just. Uh, and just be an enforcer and you could get more of them inspecting a seventh round pick then I think for me you know that's the kind of guy you think right yeah we got him out of absolute obscurity and nowhere looked like to be undrafted and now he can he can come down and help you in the run game and, and be an extra man in the box and that's again we didn't have that last year so you know Jimmy Ward will play a role um, but that's not his game so you know it's just small iterative steps that we can get like that towards a successful season. James, would you all look back on it this schedule? What would you say? What is success? I know we kind of touched on it there, but what would a successful season look like for the 2023 Houston Texans? Yeah, I think we touched on it earlier. It's really just about seeing this team develop, Um, not making the same dumb mistakes that we've seen them make over the last three years, be competitive, look like a high football IQ football team. And, I think the win totals don't really matter. I really don't. Like, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, obviously, you don't want them to go 0-17, right? Like, and I don't think that that's like, going to happen. But, you know, you you just want to see that they're competitive. You want to see that there's a plan on the field. You want to see that the coaches are putting their players in the best position to succeed and that we're seeing development across the board. And I think if we walk out of the season seeing that, I think we'll feel 10 times better about yeah. where this team is. I think so. Um, the, the, yeah, I think there's just a lot of iterative progress and maturation of young players that you want to see from last year's class to this year's class and can we find enough you know can we find enough to shell out sort of 60 odd percent of a roster and then it's about finding that extra 40 percent as you go the finishing touches which you can do for agency to a degree um, and you know and then you, you keep drafting you keep hitting so you keep hoping you hit rather so um, there's there there is so many unknowns, but for good reasons I think this time rather than than uh, than perhaps a, a desperate sense of uh, resignation that you kind of know where the season's going to go and I don't feel that this year. Um, I don't know what game to book. I know I messaged you uh, during the week and I said I'm, I'm not sure which game to go. I'm thinking of going to Atlanta away as a road game and then we'll try and come maybe come to Houston Christmas New Year for one of those games. That's 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 my plan right oh, now. I go. think so. Um, I think because it, it seems like we can kind of do best of both worlds. So hopefully that will be the case. Um, and one thing for John, you don't need to check your program apart from Denver at home because it'll be at noon. So uh, it's an easy one to remember. And uh, but hopefully there's a, there's enough out of this that we can see progress and we'll uh, and hopefully Nico, uh, Miko and and Nick are going to work together well. I, I saw them on the Chris Long podcast. Thought. Those look two guys that are enjoying working yeah, together um, uh, with a common yeah. friend there, and I really enjoy, and you kind of see them relax a little bit. And I think it felt like for the first time in a long time a ship with a direction. Uh, no Easter be out there, no headlines about off the field matters, uh, no owner comments, all the kind of stuff that's happened. Right, probably since twenty seventeen, it's never felt stable. But I kind of have a a sense, certainly James, that that the Houston Nooners this year will be uh, they'll be alright I think it'll be worth watching and it and it will feel like it means something again which has been a hell of a long time since it has I think it'll be great just to see like the fan base be somewhat optimistic in unison because uh, I think that there's been 
you know, over the last four years, there, no. there really hasn't been that, you know, there's been the optimistic crowd that tries to do, you know, tries to make the best out of each situation, no matter what's going on. And then there's the, the realists that are like, this team is just awful and there's so many things happening and what can you do? You know? And I think having that unison as a fan base mm-hmm. and seeing this team succeed and, and see that they have a plan, right? I think ultimately like that's going to be the most exciting part of this season. We all had our guys in the draft that we preferred. Don't get me wrong. We're probably going to be watching those guys and thinking like, uh, you know, but, but at the same time, if there's success, I don't think anybody's going to care. And I think ultimately that's what matters. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the best part of this season is being able to, you know, go on Texans Twitter and just have conversations. Now we're not at each other's throats about what we think is right or wrong. We're hoping that this like train is on the right track and that we all can just enjoy football again. And I think ultimately that's what we're looking for. And I think yeah. that's what we'll see this year. Well, that's one thing I have stayed away from in my new working life. I don't, uh, I, I check in on the news and the notifications, but I certainly don't kind of get into the weeds of it all. I think it's um, because nothing's happened at this stage of the year. And we'll maybe try that a little bit more as the games roll around. But hopefully yeah. September will come around quickly and uh, we'll have some good performances, wins, and, uh, and progression of good young players that look like they're under a head coach that will unify the club. And I think it'll be good to see NRG closer to being full again and I think the goodwill of D'Amico will last for you know one to two years and he'll be given time um, to get this right and I think once you get back to next year you're kind of on a level playing field the capital but as you said you've got some cash to spend so we'll see where we can get it but you know guys like Shaquille Griffin you you, you might pick him out of obscurity with a back injury gets right and he's your second corner of your team when, when, uh, when it's uh, Nelson's time to kind of take a back seat so there is there is there is route to uh, normality and just I cannot wait for the day James that we're back challenging again I will never take those days for granted ever again ever <laughs> so thank you very much everybody for listening thanks to James for his time um, it feels like we're on the way back up let's hope so um, September will come around quickly but thank you again for listening to the turn up for what podcast <laughs>